You're listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast, where it's all about exploring possibilities for making an honest living outside of the traditional nine to five. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 11th episode of the Corporate Quitter Podcast. I'm joined today by Brent Hiras. He's a productivity coach who spends his days working with individuals and creating content to help people into what he calls the sustainable high-level productivity. His main focus is getting as many people as possible into the state so that we can become clear, consistent, and self-actualized. He pulls from a wide range of disciplines and theories to help us get on and stay on track with our most important work. And I don't know about you listeners, but I'm always feeling like I'm derailing, like I'm so productive. And all of a sudden it like, nope, like met my, like my threshold, we're done for today. And so if I could learn any productivity skills, I want it, I need it. So thank you for being on. Such a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I really appreciate it, Gabby. Thank you. And uh, hello to the listeners. It's good to meet you. Yeah, thank you. So what's your story? How did you even get to being like this productivity ninja guru? Like how, how did yeah. that even come to be? Well, around 2017, I arrived at a particular decision where I forget exactly my age. I think it was 27 or so, but I, I got to a point where I realized that it was really time for me to get my shit together. I was working a job, I was a fundraiser and it was a, it was good work. It was enjoyable but I had the sense that there was a lot that I wanted to get done in my lifetime. So like uh, a lot of entrepreneurial stuff I wanted to do, a lot of creative stuff I wanted to do. Um, I considered myself to be a sort of a multidisciplinarian kind of person. So I like I dabble in music and I dabble in you know, business growth and writing and all these things. And I wanted to really fully explore all of these hobbies and all of these interests and kind of really bring them through to a certain level of mastery. And I felt like I really strongly wanted to do that. And, um, and there's just, there was this like huge disconnect between my desire to do all these things and my expectation that I should be able to do all these things and my actual ability to do these things and get myself to do them. So in other words, like I had a sense of what I could do, but I just couldn't get myself to do any of it. And that was a source of big frustration. And, uh, and so I just hit this point in 2017, you know, going into the new year where it's like, okay, like whatever it takes, like, I really want to figure out how to get on top of my shit. We all do. We're like, you know, the fire under our ass. Let's go. Let's do it. Yeah. Oh my God. It's another year. Holy (laughs) shit. Right. You know, and, uh, and like, yeah, getting up into your twenties, it can get really nerve wracking. Cause like, you know, I remember being like 21. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. Later. Yeah. I got it later, later, later. But then, you know, it comes time to do it and it's, uh, it's a different thing. So I didn't know exactly what it would entail, but I like, I knew I wanted to do something. So it's like, okay, I'm going to figure it out. And, uh, and then March of that year, I received an email from a stranger, a very, very consequential email. What it was is, um, see, like I had this uh, website um, that I was blogging on up until then, not anymore, but it was just, I would just like write articles and post them in there. I didn't really think too much of it, didn't advertise it. Were they like productivity based or was it like a completely different niche or topic? It was just kind of like random philosophy. Like I was really into ideas of, you know, existentialism Mm -hmm. and just, you know, life and death and like this kind of stuff, just musings really. And then uh, I put this little tab where, uh, where the title of it was, existential counseling. That was like what I named it. And I was, <laughs> this little page where I was like, Hey, do you want existential counseling? And I, I, you know, and I said a bunch of stuff about it and never told anyone. And I just allowed it to be buried in my website. So, and that was years ago. And so that like this email pops into my, my mailbox, this guy's like, yeah, okay. Like I'd like that. Like, That's awesome. That's like every blogger's dream that some random person finds you. And they're like me, like help me. I need yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it was, exciting. It was exhilarating. 
it was terrifying because it was like, what the hell? I don't, I don't even remember like what I was thinking when I wrote this thing. <laughs> but I'm like, okay. And so, you know, fortunately he had like a, he was able to tell me what he needed to work on. So we created this time and we got on a Skype call and, and I worked with him and I coached him. And then at the very end of it, I was just like, whoa, I think I want to do a boatload of this, this, you know, coaching thing. From there, like a couple of years, I was just like life coaching. So it's just, I was trying to be everything to everyone. And then only in this last year. So, you know, right now it is 2022. So like around this time uh, in 2020, I realized that productivity is just this piece that I really care about this part where we identify our most important work and we do it and we get it done consistently over time. I struggled with consistency my whole life. And, and yeah. It's such a huge, it's huge, so difficulty. like challenging to stay consistent. Right. And it seems like it's so basic, but when things come up and they always do, especially when you're growing something or doing something new, like that's the ultimate test of like, is this going to be your thing? Like, are you actually like ready for this? And so easy to just say, no, I'd rather sleep in or like, no, like this is too much work. So you were able to kind of like hack at that. Like, yeah, it is. It is really difficult because by definition, this is a big discovery that I found is that whenever we are growing as people, like whenever we're stepping into like a bigger level of activity or like a higher level of growth, or we're like, you know, stepping into like a, you know, playing at a higher level, as they sometimes say, to do that means to do something that we've never done before. So it is a step into the unknown. And so on one hand, we have this vision of how good it could be and how much fun it would be and how we like, we're totally appropriate for this opportunity in the sense that like, yeah, like I really feel like this opportunity is for me and I can do this. And there's a sense of warm kind of intuitive guidance that's pulling us in that direction. It doesn't change the fact that we've never done it before because we've never done it before. There's like this whole survival thing that wakes up in the back of our like reptilian brain. That's like, no, like not going to do this. This is different. This is change. Uh, it's unproven. It's unsafe. I have no memory to draw upon of having done this before. You know, it's just different from having like a vision, right? It's like, it's mm -hmm. like a memory. And, uh, and so therefore I won't. And so then there will be this inner protest that comes up when it comes time to do this thing where it's like, maybe I'm too tired. Maybe I'm sleepy. Maybe I'm reluctant. You know, maybe I can talk myself out of it. Ah, it doesn't matter. I wouldn't be good at it anyway on and on and on hundreds of different ways that we successfully talk ourselves out of doing the thing. So much of it, so much of doing our most important work is just not being hypnotized by the fear, the fear of the unknown, you know, it's seeing what it is like honoring it, listening to it, like don't fight it, but not allowing it to convince you either. With that being said, have you found with working with clients that there are very specific things that work for everyone or is it very curtailed per person and situation, right? Because regardless of how experienced we are or what we've dealt in our life, I feel like no matter what, even the celebrities, they say, right, imposter syndrome. Every day I'm fear that I'm going to be found out. Every day I feel like I'm fucking up, right? Like, mm -hmm. so it's not that one is better than the other or someone, like you can have more experience, but it's still scary. So mm -hmm. I don't know, mm -hmm. yeah, you, what was your experience with that with working with people? Yeah, there was a, there was a lot of fear. There's a lot of imposter syndrome. So as I got into coaching uh, along the way, I came across some training. There was a dude who was like, okay, you know, buy this training and you can sign up your clients and they'll start paying you like a, a lot of money, you know, in the order of hundreds of dollars for a month or something. And, uh, and up until then the idea of being paid say 20 bucks for a coaching session, that was outrageous. It's like, wow, it's like more than minimum wage. That's crazy. And so I bought this guy's training, Christian Michelson. Uh, and I recommend that to anybody who's getting started coaching. He, uh, he would say like, you know, say these things, you know, ask these questions, you know, and, and this is how you can find a client that would want to hire you. And I did it. And then people hired me and they hired me for money. And then I went through this period of like, 
oh my God, this is amazing. Like, wow, I can really do this. And then that was quickly followed by terror of like, holy shit, I've made a huge mistake. (laughs) What have I got myself into? Right. Right. Like, oh my God, these people think I'm a coach. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and I remember like I freaked out. And so, um, especially like, you know, I got on the subject of like moving into your vocation, right. And leaving like, say like a job or leaving like not an ideal financial situation and moving into work such as this, like the sense of, I took on all these clients I felt so guilty and like so much like an imposter that I just found a way to sabotage my own work. Honestly, I feel like a lot of us like self-sabotaging, even though we don't think it's self-sabotaging because it's easier to confirm that you're a fuck up through your own actions than to actually let it play out. A hundred percent. So then what happened? Like what happened? Okay. So like, I had like all these clients that I would like, I'd start getting on sales call with people and we'd go through this whole sale and this whole like kind of sales process. We get to the end and I'd be like, so this is why you should sign up for me. But I mean, like, you know, if, if, if you want, you know, like this, this may not work just so you know, I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, ah, maybe I'll get back to you. And they would never get back to me. And so, so then, okay. So then like, you know, between 2017 and kind of coming up into 2019, It was really this like vast desert like journey of learning how to trust myself. On one hand, it's like, okay, like developing some ability to coach. It was already there. I was already able to, but like kind of developing a body of work that I could learn how to trust. At the same time, just learning to trust myself, like learning that it's okay to accept people's money. I just had so much wiring in me that prevented me from allowing myself to receive people's money. It just felt like cheating, felt like robbery, uh, dishonest. It was just it was a lot. I had a lot of baggage associated with it. And so I had to do a lot of inner work on it. Like, so, um, what does that look like? Like for the people listening, cause right. I feel like everyone deals with their own money hurdles at some point. It just, it's natural that that happens, especially in your twenties when you're trying to figure your shit out. Like what did you do? Or like, what's one thing that someone can do who's listening that might yeah. help with that? I have a fantastic technique. I uh, I can't speak highly enough about this one. So like I've accumulated many over the time and they all work, but um, there's one that came from this healing modality that's called access consciousness. And so access consciousness, it's a bunch of dudes that come up with a lot of ways to kind of arrive at a really beautiful headspace so that you can you know create your life really uh, deliberately and consciously. And they have this tool that's called interesting point of view. Very, very simple, very understated, very powerful. And so it, this is the sort of thing where there's a temptation to gloss over it. Be like, oh, yeah, yeah, like I know this. But to really grapple with it is can be pretty profound. It goes like this. So you would take any idea that you hold in your mind that you suspect is not serving you. The problem with beliefs, like when we hold a belief, when we really believe something to be true, is that we will always find a way to justify the belief. We will always find a way to believe the, to make the belief true. We can always find evidence of whatever kind. That's how you have movements say like, you know, flat earth or create a body of work that there's no moon in the sky. Like you can have any belief that you want and find a way to validate it. But the real question is what is true beyond our own beliefs? And so this tool speaks to that directly. And so you know, one of my old beliefs is um, it's dishonest and wrong to accept money from clients. I truly believed it. And, and so therefore, I wouldn't allow myself to accept money. And what would ultimately change it for me is I would say, interesting point of view, it's dishonest to receive money from people. Interesting yeah. point of view, I have this point of view. What happens is when we say it like this, when we kind of take a belief and pair it with interesting point of view, is we take this idea 
off of its pedestal in terms of how committed we are to it, how we grip on our beliefs so much that we turn it into reality. So we take it off of its shelf and reconsider it and turn it back into a belief. We say, interesting point of view. I have this point of view that it's dishonest to take money Uh, or interesting point of view. I have this point of view that it's difficult to make money. Interesting point of view. I have this point of view that I will never escape this job. Um, I'll never get out of this. This isn't going fast enough. I'm entering into a field that's too difficult, you know, whatever it is. And so then the whole game becomes finding ideas that are no longer serving you and then, and then pairing it with interesting point of view. And then it just kind of gives you a little bit of a, of a grip to move beyond it and step into a frame that is free of that particular belief. And then that would allow us to find some interesting new avenues. That's so interesting. It's such a like simple tool, but I feel like lately as I'm discovering more tools for my own business and own personal growth, they are a lot more simple than we give them like that we think they are. They do not have to be that complicated. And that's one of them. So So if you use that for other things other than like that specific money hack, if you will, or like (laughs) receiving things, because like I could tell myself interesting point of view, like anything, like people who want to lose weight, people who want to get clients, right? The money, like go and travel, like do all those things. You could basically loop in all those thoughts into that same technique, right? Yeah. So you could look at any area of your life that you want to change. Take weight loss, for example. And the idea behind this, the way to properly use this technique is to be especially irreverent. There, like some of us really grip our ideas of right and wrong. Like we really grip our ideas of what's true and what's false. And when we really grip onto these ideas, we kind of lock ourselves into situations where there's no wiggle room. We can't change things. We can't see beyond our situation. It becomes really challenging to maneuver. What's required in order to change these really sticky situations is a willingness to take on this stance of maybe my head's up my own ass. Maybe. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I mean, it is true. Yeah, maybe I'm full of shit. Maybe I'm a know-it-all and I have way too much stock in what I think is true and false and that's limiting me. Maybe I'm limited by my own convictions. It's a really humbling perspective to step into. Like maybe I don't know anything about what I'm talking about. But if but if we're willing to kind of step into that place of newness, of innocence, this humbling place of I don't necessarily know everything. Then then we can question everything. So returning to this weight loss thing, it's like, okay, interesting point of view, I'm overweight. It's just a point of view. Even if you're 300 pounds, like consider the idea, maybe it's just a point of view that I'm overweight. Interesting point of view, it's difficult to lose weight. Interesting point of view, I must suffer. I must starve in order to lose weight. This is the sort of stuff that you say these things and I I could hear somebody saying like, yeah, but it's true. You know, you can either enjoy yourself. It's like, it's like either like being healthy and suffering or, you know, eating how you want, living how you want and enjoying yourself, yeah. like a duality between enjoying yourself and, um, and suffering in order to be healthy. And so all of these are just points of view as well. Oh, I like this a lot. It takes a certain courage and daring and even a certain type of stupidity undoing to keep questioning like what we would consider to be just these are such basic ideas how could they possibly be wrong there's like a certain of coarseness about these basic ideas and so if you know when we summon our courage and just look at all of them and run them through interesting point of view let's see what's left over afterward rest assured like there's sort of a promise inherent in this whole thing that if it is true it'll withstand your questioning it so you may as well throw everything at it and see what remains yeah Wow. 
you know, at a lot. That's such a, like, I, now I know what you mean by you're like, wow, this is my favorite, like one of my favorite tools in the pocket. Like I (laughs) totally get it now. I'm going to use that. So I want to get into like productivity, like that tool could probably be helpful with productivity, but like, yeah, I guess, can you just get into a little bit more about like how you built your business around productivity? Like, I know you rely on yourself financially now from this, like, mm-hmm. you know, you come up with this high level productivity or sustainable high level productivity type of technique. So can you get into more detail about that? When I started focusing on productivity, the main question that arose was how to get myself to do the thing. It became clear really quickly that nobody suffers from not knowing what to do, basically speaking. Like we all have a general sense of what we ought to be doing, what we should be doing. Like I should run, I should jog, I should eat well, I should eat better, I should consume less poisons, you know, less alcohol, less sugar, uh, meditate more, um, I should wake up earlier. There's like, you know, like a lot of staple stuff that we should be doing that we don't do. And we don't. And then this becomes a great source of guilt, an enormous, enormous, enormous source of guilt, frustration, shame, all these things. Why is that so? Why do we have such a hard time getting ourselves to do what we need to do? So I devoted a lot of time to figuring out how to bridge this gap and having the sense that if we could bridge this gap, if we can get to the bottom of getting ourselves to do what we need to do, then that would really put us in the direction of actualizing our highest potential, which Mm -hmm. a question that is important to a lot of people of like, how do I become the greatest and best version of myself? Mm -hmm. How do I make my life the greatest and best version that it can possibly be? And with that, the sort of question is coupled with a fear of what if I get to the end of my life and it wasn't that great? What if it was just mediocre? What if it sucked? What if it was lackluster? What if I die with regrets? What if I, you know, if it turns out that I could have done better and I didn't, and, uh, and I realized like just this hounds so many people and thus the importance of getting yourself to do the thing. Uh, one thing that I discovered is that there seems to be no real easy way of sidestepping that. There's uh, at the very end, I found nothing that takes the place of actually getting yourself to do the thing. The effort that's involved, the focus, the commitment, like engaging directly with what we need to commit with and engage with, there's no getting around that kind of rule zero of productivity is being really honest with ourselves about any psychology that we might have, any seeking for some sort of easy route to circumvent or go under the, uh, the difficult thing to go, to go under or past um, actually doing the thing directly. We want to go for daily runs, downloading an app that helps us keep track of our running streak, so to speak, that would be helpful it would be beneficial, but it won't do it for us. Am I making sense when I say that? That makes complete sense. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So, so like the basic, basic rule to start with is that nothing is going to do the thing for us. It is us who does the thing. Really productivity only becomes possible when we're willing to engage with that and to allow that to be true and to give up our search to look for some kind of easy route to this substantial kind of success or growth that we're looking for. The, uh, the second thing is to start emphasizing a match, a relationship between our word and our action. It's a really, really cool connection to think about because when we say we're going to do something, that's the equivalent of what we believe is possible in our imagination. 
all of us carry that within us. Like we all sense what we're capable of. Like my life could be this, I could do this. There's a sense of ability and talent and unrecognized potential that we know is there. And that shows up in the form of our word. It's like, I'm going to do this. I intend to do this. That is essential in order to begin the ball rolling. But we need to do that and then actually create a link between that and our action where if we say we're going to do something, it then becomes essential to do it. Otherwise, we're not making good on our word, which is the same as dishonesty. It's like it's like saying something that's not true and it weakens our integrity. We have weaker self-integrity when we say we'll do something and then we don't do it. But I mean, who is to say, like, I feel like now I'm more prone to take action because I say I'm going to, but I can still say like, oh, I'm going to go to the gym three days this week and then I don't go. I know I'm being dishonest to myself, but like, who cares? It's just to myself. Right, right. And that that's fair enough. But if we say that we'll do it and then if we don't do it, then it makes it impossible to rely on ourselves. It makes it impossible to trust ourselves. If we just use our word indiscriminately and, and there's no connection in the real world to our word, then it's just like throwing words into the wind. And it, it, kind of, it sets us further and further behind, further and further back from being able to have self-reliance or, or to have a sense of empowerment, like literally in the sense of having power over what happens. Now I'm curious, and maybe it isn't connected, but you know, you're saying that when you speak your truth, you say whatever it is and you keep your word or don't keep your word, right? If you don't keep it, it's dishonesty. It's you're not aligned with what you say you want to do. Now, if you are consistently keeping your word, do you find that it's easier to trust yourself and make better decisions? Because yes. like, right, everyone's like, oh, intuition, like gut feeling, like, oh, I'm going to do the logical research to find out what the better decision is. But I don't know if there's a link there or something. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, the whole thing becomes even more powerful when you pair it with your intuition. You know, when we feel intuitively pulled, it's like, there's an intuition, like I want to, I want to go for runs every morning. And, uh, and I, like I sense that it would make me really happy. It would make me really healthy. I would benefit from it by and large. It would just be a huge benefit to my life if I went for runs every day. So that there's sort of like an, an intuitive green light in that direction. And then in order to start making it real, start making it into something that happens, we say, okay, I'm going to go for a run tomorrow. And then you go for a run. I guess that could translate into business too. When you say you're going to do something, people will take you more seriously if you're consistently like, I'm going to, I'm going to build this business. And then you build the business. People are like, wow, you actually went and build the business. Okay. hundred percent, hundred percent. So now, so like this conversation, it comes with caveats because this can turn into a guilt trip real quick real quick where it's like, okay, you say you're going to do something and you don't do it. And it's like, oh my God, I have no self-integrity. I messed it up. I, I failed to keep my word. And it's not, it's not about that because what's awesome about this whole thing, what's awesome about cultivating consistency, cultivating power, cultivating self-control, self-leadership is that you get multiple iterations, multiple shots at this whole thing. This is something that we perfect over time. A huge mistake that we, that so many of us make is that we say, I'm going to do something. And then we put all this stock in it, like, you know, all this importance and significance in it. And then if we're not able to like hit the target, like right in the bullseye, then it's like, like, what's the point? And we give up and, and we, we give up on the whole thing for months and months at a time. There's no benefit in adding extra significance to any of this either. The sweet spot in this conversation is to say you're going to do something, like challenge yourself, but not overly challenge yourself. Like, you know, if you've never, ever gone for a run or if it's been years since your last run, like don't, it's not five miles, like say just like one mile. 
and then give that to yourself as a one day challenge, run the mile, complete on that, on that promise, and then issue another promise going forward. And so it works like that. It works in business, you know, all these different subjects is because when we're caught in a place of disempowerment, which is to say, if we just keep failing and, and it feels like we have no self-control and I just keep messing it up and, and it hurts to even dream, like it hurts to even imagine succeeding because we just, we've let ourselves down so many times just to meet yourself once, like to issue, like even a low key promise and meet it can turn everything around. It can start there. That makes complete sense. Now, I wonder, you said that I immediately thought of, I don't know if you're familiar with the the eat the frog. It's interesting because the concept of it is that on the list, right? You have the giant frog, right? Of the whole to-do list, you have a lot of little tasks, maybe easy tasks, fun tasks. And then you have the big one that you're like, oh, fuck no, I don't want to do that. I have to do it, but I don't want to do it. For me, it's writing blog posts. I always like, that's the last thing I want to do. So that in the book, that mentality is you take on the heaviest, biggest hurdle first. Whereas I grew up kind of like doing the little things to build momentum and then to take on the big thing because then it like gives me like the push or as you say, like the little wins before I actually take on the big thing. But that also doesn't always work well because then I I do all the little things and then the end of the day comes that I didn't do the big thing. So like, do you have a take from a productivity standpoint on like how to approach things like maybe either or type of strategy or you have your own? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Very, very beneficial to come into any workday with a plan for what you're going to get done. If you, or if anybody's looking for a fucking game changer, you know, in terms of like a a little sort of like five minute habit or 10 minute habit where like, if we do it every day, then it will just give us the most bang for our buck. It's taking some time at the very end of the day and having and creating just like a general rough plan. It doesn't have to be overly regimented, but just a general rough plan of Tomorrow will be a success if I get blank done and you, and you kind of get a sense of what's the most important thing, the second most important thing and so forth. And then going into the next day, positioning the number one highest priority as the first order of business, because just always seems to work out that like, just as we we're saying before, how, like when we step into like our higher levels of growth, um, we're always going to meet in a resistance because we're moving into the unknown. We're moving into expansion, which is unsafe. So does that also apply when we're working on our highest priority stuff? We'll always want to procrastinate on our highest priority stuff. So, so positioning that first will definitely help you make sure that you get it done. So that's one way of going about it. Now, that's one way to position it so that you can make sure you get it done. But then there's also, you look at what is it about blog post writing that makes me not want to do it? Then the interesting point of view technique that comes in there, right? I don't think this is how we met, but like I, I've done like the bulk of my marketing and online presence on Reddit mm-hmm. and, uh, and it's the wild west out there. So I'm like, I'm on r slash get discipline and I'll like, I'll make a post and I'll put all this effort into it and all this love and care. And then I'll put it on. And then like, you know, some person downvotes it and that's, it's done. Like that's it. You know? <laughs> And so it's a huge, huge crapshoot. And every once in a while, like I'll put something and maybe it'll get like a little bit of traction, then it bazooms to the front and then it's it's really good. And it's it's like, a, it's like crack, you know, having a post yeah. like at the top of a subreddit. There's a lot of psychology that comes up that makes us, that would make us not want to do it. Like nobody cares. Nobody yeah. wants to read this. Um, I suck. I'm a fraud. Yeah. People have already read this, um, you know, their attention span isn't long enough. So all that stuff, interesting point of view, interesting point of view, interesting point of view. 
And then when you do that, you apply interesting point of view, all the stuff that just makes writing these posts or these blog posts that just makes it so nerve wracking, you know, that just, that just makes us want to delay and delay and delay the, the intensity of it dissolves and you're free to just simply write the post and it's, mm-hmm. stakes are lower. The significance is lower. Everything's lower. It's just, I'm just going to write a post. It's cool. No big deal. I definitely got to get going with that thing. Cause it's like, I release them every Wednesday and like Monday and Tuesday, I give myself so much time. So if something comes up, like, and then of course, Wednesday comes and it's like 7am and I'm like speed, like typing it to try to yeah. get it out before nine or 10am. And maybe this is a productivity tool that you work with, but like, sometimes if I have too much time to work on something, it actually backfires versus doing it in like an allotted amount of time. Like, have you ever used, I think it's pronounced Pomodoro technique Mm -hmm. where you like set 20 minutes and you like, just do the thing. Like, even if you don't get it all done, you just sit down and do it for 20 minutes uninterrupted. Mm -hmm. And then you Mm -hmm. get like a break after you reset or work on it again the next day. Like you just do it for that set amount of time and that's it. So I'm familiar with that technique. Um, I've tried something similar. Um, I've tr- also tried um, Evan Pagan's take on it, which is um, uh, what he calls 60, 60, 30 sets, which my wife uses them with great, great, great success. Like it's a very, very powerful idea to have uh, 60, 60, 30 sets being 60 minutes, 50 minutes of which are for your work focus. You know, you set a timer, forget about the world, just get to your work, followed by a 10 minute break where you relax and totally release and like you get away from your workstation, ideally not 60 minutes, do that twice. So 60, 60. And then after that 60, take a 30 minute break where you like have a meal, drink some water, you chill out, whatever it is. And then you can stack those 60, 60, 30 steps. And uh, that's like very, very productive. It also borrows this concept from Cal Newport called deep work where Cal Newport just goes really deep into this concept of like being able to focus singularity singularly on a single task uh, to get the best results all the way through to completion and just like the benefit that comes from it. I have not so much success in regimenting it that way. Instead, what I do is my focus is more on enjoyment and flow and then letting the deep work, Cal Newport's deep work emerge from that. So the idea being that I've never quite put this into words, so it's, it's kind of tricky, but what I do on a weekly and daily basis is consult my intuition for what work would be the highest priority work in terms of what could I do in this upcoming week that would just give the greatest benefit, both in terms of productive output, but in terms of my own enjoyment, like what would make me feel the most fulfilled? What would make me feel like I'm living my purpose? You know, if I had like this one week or this one day to live my purpose, I've really left behind this mentality of, of work in the sense of like pushing the boulder uphill. Yeah. That's like, I feel like a lot of us, especially in America, like we're just so accustomed to like grind till basically you die. Like just keep going and that's not sustainable. It sucks. It does. It really sucks. There's so much delayed gratification about it, which which mm-hmm. sounds right, but it's almost like an old Christian idea of like, you know, living a, a pious lifestyle of, you know, being really cl- close to the ground in order to get to heaven at the very end. Like yeah. it kind of rings, uh, it echoes of that. Whereas I don't think it works for me and I don't think it works for a lot of people. And the alternative is to look for work that really calls at you. Like, so like, for example, a lot of people, you know, you could ask yourself a question like, 
I had all the resources in the world and I was not at risk of running out of money, how would I spend my time? And like, okay, there's a little hedonism phase that people would talk about. I'd be like, I'd relax and get drunk and that would last for 30 days, you know, before the person gets tired and bored of it, right? And yeah. then what happens after that? And that's usually some form of creation that a person has been waiting their whole lives to get around to. Mm-hmm. And that kind of creation there is a certain discipline element that's necessary, but that kind of creation calls at us. There's flow in it. And it's not an effortful pushing against some kind of wall that's not yielding to us, but it's moving with our purpose. One struggles less with procrastination in these kinds, in this kind of work. Mm. So like, how do you, well, I guess, A, how do you even go, like, let's say there are things that you have to do during your week that you don't enjoy. Like, again, writing the blog post or like doing accounting for your business or like going to the gym, like how do you make the non-pleasurable pleasurable during your week? Right. Cause you still want to be productive. You still want to be like enjoying things, but right. Not everything is amazing. So the key, it'd be good if we had an example, like, cause we have the blog post example where there's a sense of like, ah, oh, like it just, it kind of makes me feel jittery and nervous to actually do it. Mm-hmm. But then there's sort of like boring stuff that we have to do, like say like brushing your teeth. Um, okay. So I'll know. give an, like this, the podcast, I love running my podcast, but the editing is like banging my head against the wall sometimes. Yes. Like, yeah. and I delay it and like, I still do it, but I'm like, Oh, like while I'm doing it, someone's like, Oh, you should outsource it. So now I'm like thinking of that. But like, again, what, how do I even deal with that? So the first first order business would be to arrive at sort of a, a decision where you might decide I'm willing to discover a way to enjoy this. I'm, I'm willing to learn how to approach. And if enjoyment, you know, is too big of an ask, which it can be for some tasks, then something a little bit kind of more of a step up, a step down from that would be, I'm willing to learn how to do this in a way that um, it doesn't hurt. Like I'm willing to learn how to do this in a way that I'm not suffering, that I can just kind of do it in a way that's harmonious so that I'm not like bored, frustrated, or like kind of like anxious as I'm doing. So that'd be, that'd be step one. And then step two would be to address what sort of beliefs or psychology that you have about the task. Because sometimes we actually have ideas about the task that inhibits us. For example, some like maybe along the way, we decided that editing the podcast is boring or that I'm not good at it. Or that there's a likelihood that I'll screw this up if I do it. And, you know, so it's like, I need to make sure that I don't screw this up as I do it. And so then we could take interesting point of view and we could apply the whole thing, right? Um, By the way, the interesting point of view, another way would be to say, resolve, dissolve, complete, which is really, really lovely. Resolve, dissolve, complete, just... That's it. You could look at your, say you're editing the podcast. It's like, okay, you're there, you're sitting there, you're editing it. And, and like, and that feeling of like boredom comes on or frustration or like tension or whatever it is. And you just bring your attention to all of that tense, frustrated energy. You could look at it. You could just say, resolve, dissolve, complete, resolve, dissolve, complete all of this tension, resolve, dissolve, complete all this boredom, resolve, dissolve, complete. It's something you have to try to really see for yourself. Yeah. It sounds like one of those like kooky things and you're just like, oh yeah, yeah. That guy said that thing, whatever. But like, you know, got to be open to these things. Who knows? For, you know, for yourself, for anybody listening, right. To try it like once or twice with sincerity, no going back, you know, just realizing that like a lot of this actually can be resolved with a good intention. It's like, yeah. Obviously what you're talking about, like you clearly know about productivity like that. This is why you're the productivity guru ninja. Like, you know what you're doing. Did that come from schooling or is this kind of like, I know you did extreme, I don't know what you would call it. Like you've walked desert plains, like 
mm. done so much ex- extreme, like adventurism, if you will, like mm. was that part of like your journey of being this type of coach, like how did you even get to be in a place like this where you can offer so, so much knowledge and wisdom? Honestly, I'm like floored. <laughs> I didn't realize it was going to be this deep, but I love it. Oh, that, that's so kind. That's really, really kind. Thank you. Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely a handful of elements that led to uh, to me um, becoming like this. <laughs> I guess what would it be? I think one okay one answer is this: just a lot of reading along the lines of that which fascinated me because reading is a way that you know we guilt. This is another guilt trip. I should read more. I should learn. Oh, yeah. more, right. And uh, and I'm I I also do that to myself too. I really guilt myself for not. And it's like like but the thing is that when you find like something juicy, like really really nice material that like just really speaks to you, it just makes your whole body resonate and like a sense of like, I can use this information to grow, then like, you know, it becomes really like fun to kind of educate oneself, you know, seeking out information that's really, really juicy, having really high standards, you know, because like of all the information and training out there looking for something that's really attractive, that, that is helpful because then is a sign that this information is designed, like it will be the most helpful for your evolution. So that, that would be one. Number two would be cultivating just a shit ton of mindfulness, a lot of stillness and becoming very, very still. Uh, A lot of credit to Eckhart Tolle and the power of now. Taking time to be still, taking time to bring attention to um, what's going on inside of your experience, spending time with it, noticing how a lot of a lot of strife and tension will start to unfold when we just bring attention to it. And we can just Mm -hmm. keep doing that without end. And so you can just go deeper and deeper into more and more stillness. Those two allow you to synthesize uh, a body of work that helps you through your own particular growth and then gives you your own particular fragrance, your own particular identity, your own particular signature, you know, to offer to the world in terms of your own body of work. That is, that is unique and unlike any other body of work. Yeah. Because obviously, right, you worked in fundraising before you even got into coaching. And then obviously, like someone magically came to you and like the floodgates opened. But were you doing a lot of reading and like mindfulness and like spiritual soul searching, if you will, while you were at your job? Like, how did you even know it was the right time for you to leave? I took a very strong interest in spirituality. You could say I had like kind of a low-key awakening experience Ooh, what, like, if you don't mind me asking, what was, what was that? Was it like, oh my God, I almost got hit by a car? Or was it more of like, you know? <laughs> uh, um, no, it was funny because like, I, uh, I was kind of like in my teens, I went through this like, like intense, hardcore uh, atheist phase. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was particularly insufferable. You know, I was like really like, you know, you know, science and evolution and all this stuff. And, like, <laughs> and, and, I, and I guess I, I got as far as I could with it. And then um, a, a mentor of mine offered me a book by Wayne Dyer, our dearly departed author. And he had, it was a book called The Power of Intention. And it was a book, it was about God, it was about spirit, but but it was from a, a post-rational um, mindset where it's like, you know, where the book is like, yeah, like, you know, here's what they say about God, you know, rationality, um, you know, concrete science, all this sort of stuff. But here's here's a concept on God, a way to approach God that's valuable and useful. Boom! It just it just opened everything up. Just God became this like imp- this usable concept for me, and uh, and just there was a sense of of connectedness to to the universe itself that just suddenly came online. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and from then up until I would say the year 2014. So that's from 07 to 
maybe 08 to 2014, the, the highest priority for me, nothing was more important than cultivating enlightenment, cultivating consciousness, like moving deeper into meditation. And so that was, that was my study. It, it, it got um, troublesome because like I actually, you know, as I did that, I also went into like a really deep depression that it's I funny how that happens. I had yeah. the same exact thing. It was like, I was on this path to like finding right who I was and like being yeah. spiritually sound and like being meditating, right. Being Zen. And then yeah. you do so much freaking internal work that it's like so exhausting. And you're like, I hate every part of me because all I'm doing is criticizing every single part of me instead of just being here. Like this was not the intention. This was not the intention. Yeah. What happens I think is that there's like there's a movement into spirituality, there's a movement into meditation. But what's happening is it's sort of often, often is from an ego's perspective, it's like the final thing that the ego becomes obsessed with before like it's just rebirth, like, if you will. Right, right. You know, but like, you know, the birth of what? Like, you know, we could say like the deeper self, you know, or like the, the original self, the true self, let's say. Like before the programming and like your parents' shit was thrown on you. And like basically, yeah. like when you're an infant, right? Like yeah. fresh and new. Yeah, a hundred percent. So that which is you, underneath the conditioning, underneath the ego, just you know, and not separate from the ego, but just like greater than the ego, of which the ego is only an aspect. Mm-hmm. So that that comes online, and then it asserts itself as the captain of the ship, as the driver of the car, and and the ego is not thrown in the back seat. The ego is put in the passenger seat where it belongs, you know, and, and that's, and that's how, and that's the new journey. That's the post awakening journey going forward. But what happens like there's, there's, you know, there's depression and self-hatred and like all this stuff because the, the ego is kind of going as far as it can. It, there's sort of creates a, a bit of a cocoon that from the ego's perspective, it feels like it's dying in a way it is like it's, yeah. it's sense of control is dying. And, you know, just in the same way that it like in a, in a sort of sense, when a caterpillar moves into chrysalis and becomes a, a butterfly, like in a way the caterpillar is dying. Like it's, it's like the caterpillar self is totally, totally gone. That's sort of the depression element for a lot of people, you know, on the journey. And, and that, that was mine. And I didn't understand it. And, and so I freaked out and I, I didn't trust it. So on one hand, here I am cultivating this awakening. And on the other hand, I'm like simultaneously pumping the brakes. <laughs> so, yeah, and so it'd be, it'd be really depressing and confusing and it was a really confusing period, you know, and, until, until a person learns to really yield, truly, just truly yield to the whole thing. With that yielding comes a sense of trust, a trust that like that I'm okay, all is well, I'm connected. My shit is on track. I'm moving towards my highest actualization. I can trust my own effort. I can trust that things are moving the right way. I can trust that the universe knows who I am. It's a big one. So with that, obviously, like once you came out of that depressive state and you were able to be in this place of like, this is what God is telling me. This is what intuition is telling me. I know it's the right one. So I'm going to go for it. Did Mm. you have like a clear as day moment when you were at your job where your intuition, spirit, universe, whatever you want to call it, was like, it's time to go. Like your time here is done. It's time to move forward. Or like, what yeah. was the turning point? Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. It's cool. You you should ask that. That was a mushroom trip, actually. That's when it happened. Really? Oh my God. It's so funny. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> I, I've had so many like moments of like pure awakening again, not anyone, no one should do it just because like, like you really got to go about it in the right setting and everything for like the right reasons. But Right. Man, yeah. yeah. No, like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't take any of this as medical. <laughs> no, no. Disclaimer. Don't, don't. 
But right. I, I mean, yeah. So, you know, I know. Yeah. Like it profound, profound wisdom comes, comes I mean, from mushroom. Yeah. Did you like, you went into the, that experience with the intention of figuring out what your next steps were, or was just something that came to you during your like shroom experience? I was, I was in this state. This, this is like uh, when I was saying earlier, like up until 2014, like this is, this is like the up until moment. Mm-hmm. You know? Like I was, I was like searching and searching and searching and seeking and seeking and seeking and looking and looking. And there was a bar where I knew I could get some mushrooms. So I took a, I took some, uh, and it was on this like beautiful bar, just like overlooking kind of a mountain escape. And, uh, and I asked my questions and my, and my questions came from a certain sense of exasperation, I think where it's like, okay, like, 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 give me the thing, give, give, give me the, yeah. the you know, like, let, let's do this let's, enlightenment, whatever, like, just let's get her done. And like the, mush- the mushrooms were really strong. And I, and I, I went into this, this, uh, really, uh, profound, um, trip of, and there, there was a lot that took place. But near the very, very end, like, you know, kind of getting to the wee hours of the night there, like I had the sense of like, you know, speaking with, uh, I don't know who or, or what, but it was like commuting with some kind of like, you know, guy that knew more about what was going on than me and said like, you know, okay, like, are you ready? Are you ready to, to really see? Like, are you ready to, to get the, the, the real deal? Are you ready? And I'm like, <laughs> and there was like the sense of like a curtain being pulled back. And, and I saw this, like this, this kind of image of like, of um, rotating uh, golden doorways, arches um, on a, on a sort of um, on spindles, like, you know, kind of like, you know, moving and there's like a whole lot of them and a sense of like, you know, each of these like kind of like doorways leading to all sorts of different realities. And oh stuff. my God. Like different timelines yeah, and you absolutely. get to like choose. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's so trippy. Yeah. But what was so, what was so strange that after that, you know, like the guide or whatever was like, you know, that's, you know, okay. Like you happy. I was nonplussed. There was a sense of a total lack of ceremony, like a, an unceremoniousness about it. Like, I guess a very, very. Like you thought it was going to be this giant thing with like rainbows and butterflies and unicorns flying in the air. And it was just like, that's it. Right. Like, really? We're done. That was the, that was the thing. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. And there was a distinct sense that there was just nothing left to look for. Oh, well, that's so nice. Yeah. That is actually really nice. And it's not even to say that this particular experience was like the thing that I needed. Like the message that came up was that I, I've been a dog chasing my tail this whole time. And so then it became clear at that point that it was time for me to integrate. It was time for me to, to move into movement, action, like to actually ground myself in the world. Because the whole spirituality was trying to get away from my humanness, trying to get yeah. away from my traveling, trying to get away from home, all this awareness and realizing that like the, the fulfillment that I'm looking for is only available through grounding myself into the world, grounding myself into society, grounding myself into my work, grounding myself into the mundane, becoming a person, becoming nobody in particular, dropping all of like my, like my specialness and all this, like just, and just being willing to be just some other asshole who on one hand is totally ordinary. And that on the other hand is committed to becoming the fullest expression of myself. So there's like a, an ordinariness and also like an extraordinariness. And, um, and then that, that marked that marked the end of the, the, the search along that, that line. And then a movement into really what, what is now just the movement into actualization, the movement into productivity. So then after that happened, you left Thailand and went and quit your job. Like, is that what happened? Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's so funny. That's so funny. Yeah. It's like it's I had that once happen not with shrooms. I went on a 10-day meditation retreat, which is so awesome. And I came back with such clarity that I literally put my two weeks in at my nanny job and like started 
looking for, I think I, the day I put my two weeks in, I also started learning real estate. Like I was taking real estate online. And then like within a month, I I left the job and I got my license. It was like clear as day, like a bullet, like straight to bullseye, like arrow went right in, right? When you have no fluff, no squirrels in your brain running around, it's like yeah, nothing falters. And you're just like, I guess I'm going to do it. Just do it. Right on. Holy shit. That's so awesome that you literally like went on a vacation. You're like, had this awakening, like, bye. Like, time time to change my life. (laughs) Well, like, I mean, like that, that's just how it hits you, right? It's like, it's so weird. It's like... It's just, and when you and when you found out, like I presume, like in like in your meditation, like it just became clear. It's just when it becomes clear what I need to do. Like this is my next move. This is for me to do. It's like there's yep. no you you can negotiate. Like you like in the sense you can attempt to negotiate, like or you can attempt to like forget about it or whatever. But, but that's just it. Yeah, that's just the way forward. Yeah. yeah so cool. I mean, so like, do you for people who don't want to do shrooms or do something like as crazy as a ten day silent meditation yeah. retreat? How yeah. do you even start like a, a journey like that where you can get to a point of like personal mastery, like where you actually get to a point where like, I know this is what I need to do and I'm going to do it. Like, this is the decision that needs to be made. No ifs and buts, like we're doing it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a, there's not really a one size fits all for that. I think that's more experiential than anything, but I didn't know if you could offer anything to. The advice would be slightly different, I think, for somebody who like actually has a sense, like that has this clarity that you and I are talking. Oh about. yes. Like, oh shit. Fair point. I know what I need to do. Or people who have not yet arrived at that clarity, where they're like, "I don't know. I'm totally. I'm like dissatisfied. I'm confused. I don't know what the hell to do. I don't like this." Let's you know? let's do that. Let's do the latter one. So you have no concept. Like you don't know what you want. You don't know where you want to go. Like you even like you know you don't want to be at your job or like do this way that you're doing or live in this place or be with these people. Yeah. You have no fucking idea. I don't know what I like to do. I don't know what I'm good at. I don't know what habits I need. To, like, I have no idea. But it ain't this. <laughs> Whatever this is, it's not this. Yeah, I know what I don't want. So usually that kind of situation, you will find with a person who is constantly in high velocity data input. Like, so like a lot of like information consumption, um, I, which is to say that we find ourselves in this situation when we're like, like taking in lots and lots of Reddit, a lot of YouTube, a lot of like, you know, we're thinking a lot and like, and there's a lot of worry and there's a lot of stuff in our mind and everything's just like really, really high velocity. This level of clarity that we're talking about is available to everybody. It's, it's, it's our birthright. Like we come out of the factory with this capacity for clarity. It's dyed in the wool. And the fact that if a person were to hear about this kind of clarity and be like, yeah, like I want, like, you know, you know, how do I get there? It's it's a sense of familiarity. It's a sense of like, of like, you know, knowing that this is possible for, for that person, you know, for a listener and for whoever else. So, so it is possible for you to become this clear. The way to do it is to slow the hell down, <laughs> slow <laughs> all the way down, all the way down, all the way down. It's easy to slow down, but we have tons of conditioning that insists that we stay at high velocity. And it'll say things like, I can't slow down. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, right, my schedule won't allow me to slow down. I have responsibilities, like all this stuff needs to get done. Yeah, or in, in like there's that like uh, like I have too much responsibility. There's too much to do. There's no yeah. time. I'm behind yep. on time. There's also like for a lot of us, it just makes people anxious. There's like anxiety that comes up when we consider just like slowing down for a second. One way of going about this would be to section off like a minute, like a minute in your day where it's like okay, or five minutes, maybe five minutes where like 
I really can be silent. I really can safely stop and nobody's going to die and nothing, nothing is going to happen. That's bad. We need to create sort of a bracketed period of time where we can slow down and, f- and feel safe to slow down. So if we, if we yeah. can set that up, right, then that, that's a huge, huge victory. If, if anybody's thinking that they can't take five minutes to slow down, it's like really evaluate that. You know, it's, it's a way that we talk ourselves out of becoming silent. So, mm-hmm. so, okay, so we set up five minutes. Okay, so now it's five minutes right now. Maybe you have five minutes right now to become silent. Just bring attention to your inner experience. Just bring attention to all the energy in your body. Just bring attention to your emotions. Observe the state of being. Observe the state. So of, not the thoughts. Remove the thoughts, but like like your right. actual physical being. Right, right. Your body. Thoughts, yeah, thoughts are fine. Whatever. Thoughts are allowed. Nothing wrong with thoughts, right? Nothing, nothing wrong with any of this, right? It's just moving into like almost like a, a scientific position where it's like, okay, I just want to see what's going on. I just want to pop the hood. I'm not going to judge anything. I'm not going to stop anything. I'm not going to fight or negotiate or run from anything. I'm just going to look. I'm going to look. And so then you look. And then that looking allows some space to open up because instead of being identified with all this intense, intense, intense movement, it's like the move, the intensity is allowed to move on its own and we stay at center. That is disidentification from the mind. That's disidentification from the ego self. You'll know you're doing it right if there's a sense of relief, if like the body just kind of relaxes a little bit, it just kind of opens up. Like the body just, um, there may be a little bit of like, even sometimes a smile, a little bit of laughter, a little bit of lightness, you know, like the world is just like a notch less hostile. That's how you know you're doing it right. The more we do this, the more clarity we get. So then the suggestion is make this into your practice, bring silence into your life, bring stillness into your life and enjoy it. It's just when we move beyond like silence and stillness being threatening, which it's not, it's the universe. It's not, it's not a threat. It's the complete opposite. No, we're sold a bag of lies. Like the more that I embrace, like slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Not only do I enjoy things more, but like things are 10 times better. Yeah. So much better when I take my time. And so, and don't you find when you do that, when you take your time, like suddenly you feel supported by the yeah. universe. Mm-hmm. That's what I find. All of a sudden, like things yeah. come to me that I'm like, what? the fuck like what the hell how's that here like <laughs> right right because because when it's velocity and velocity and velocity it's like encountering difficulty difficulty hitting walls and walls and walls and like life just has this texture of like only running into difficulty and walls all the time and then through stillness and slowing the hell down i love i love how you said it. it's one of my favorite sayings too uh what is it slow is smooth is smooth is fast mm-hmm. right? dude i literally just learned that phrase like Easy. two months ago and now i'm like wow where's this been my entire life because my nickname is zip i'm like so fast all the time nice. and it's been i have made more progress in the past maybe two months being slower than i did my probably i don't want to say my entire life for a good chunk of my life that's the fucking paradox. That's the paradox. <laughs> of paradox. It is. It is right because because you would never like how how are you supposed to say that? How are you supposed to, how are you supposed to communicate that you slow the hell down and you get more done? It doesn't make yeah. any sense. Yeah, that's exactly how it works. You found it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I hope other people do. It's like so rewarding too. I'm like wow, I get eight hours of sleep and I get to enjoy my morning coffee and I like don't feel like I'm gonna die. Yeah, I like yeah. it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> 
there's this quality about, about slowing down and like, you know, and enjoyment, like the morning coffee, where it's like, you wouldn't even think of the morning coffee as, as productivity, but it is. There's this old school idea about productivity where if we were to liken it to breathing, where it's like, it's only the exhale that's productivity, but like, but the inhale is like wasting time. Inhale being like resting, recovering, relaxing, sleeping, recuperating. And so, and so we try to position our lives so that we're only exhaling. We're only breathing out, like as if that's a sustainable thing. When we start to value the inhale element of productivity as much as the exhale, which is to say when we value the actual deep work element with the same amount of value as the morning coffee and the relaxation and watching a sunset, that's when shit can get into the higher level. Mm-hmm. It's fun too. Yeah, it's pretty fun. One of the things that I like to ask my guests before we wrap things up as a final you know, takeaway, even though there's so, I'm so excited for people to listen to this episode. There are so many good things we talked about. If you could give advice to your younger self, what would that be? Oh man, chill the hell out. um no are you talking to like your like extreme atheist self or are you talking about like your like post atheist self or both yeah Yeah. okay oh 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 okay 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 cool so so like um at like my my younger younger atheist self like you know if you're to talk to him you'd you'd, like i'd be like i'm gonna achieve this i'm gonna accomplish that i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that i'm gonna do that it's all about this future stuff so to him i'd say well then fucking do it like do something do something you know like let's stop using your word like that and start actually bringing some action to it so that so that you can get a sense of what it actually takes to ground your dreams and imagination into real life to go through that humbling experience. I like, I went through all this, like, you know, like in my late twenties, my early thirties, I'm still going through it. I'll probably still go through it, but to start it a little bit earlier, it would have been really, really uh, helpful to go through the humbling experience of actually stop waiting for a future moment and get started on Mm -hmm. manifesting your potential now. And I would couple that message with bring on a lot more trust, trust that all is well, trust that things are moving in the right direction because that trust allows you to kind of to flow with things instead of fighting against them so much. Well, I mean, I think both of those are extremely helpful pieces of advice. And I, I heard a quote recently from someone that where if you put in now, you are not going to see the results from now. Like for right now, you're going to see them six months from now. So if you start now, you're going to do, you know, you'll see it in six months, but if you wait six months, you're going to see it in a year. So like you're better off getting started now, like messing up in the process, but then reaping the rewards later on versus again, keep putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. Wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly like, so. Well, yeah. well, this has been awesome. I am really looking forward to sharing this with everyone. I think they're going to find a lot of really great things to take away from this and hopefully they'll, you know, connect with you and you can help them kind of like jazz up their productivity game too. Of course. Of course. This was so much fun, Gabby. I, I had enjoyed myself so much. Thank you for this. Of course. My pleasure. 